Welcome in, episode 195, What's Right with Nick Wright. And there's obviously a big story people are tuning in to get my reaction to. So Demonze's going to join us in just a moment. We'll get right to it. We have a very long show and I have a very long day. I have, you know, I anticipated last night maybe going a little differently when I scheduled my Tuesday as follows. The What's Right Show, then on Colin Coward's TV show, then my own TV show, then Mina Kimes podcast, then Colin Coward's podcast. That's all happening in the next 12 hours, and it was supposed to be a glorious celebration of sorts. It would appear the road to celebration has taken a slight detour, but before we get to any of that, here's what missed the cut. Taylor Swift doesn't go to the Eagles-Chiefs game. Uh, maybe that had an impact, I'm not sure. The F1 in Vegas has gotten mixed reviews, and something that did not get mixed reviews, Demonze, I watched Top Gun Maverick, and after being very unimpressed by the original Top Gun, I must say, Top Gun Maverick was all it was cracked up to be. That is a damn good movie. I think you would enjoy it. Gabe was right about that. Yeah, the new one. I've seen the, that one. The, yeah, the you've seen the new Top Gun. Did it just come the out, one that last, came out like, last year? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, the, last yeah, yeah, year. Uh, yeah, it's a damn good movie. That one. Okay. Uh, yeah. You, I mean, that was pr- very impressive by you. Also missed the cut. Jordan Poole finally got his thirty points. He also doesn't understand how the clock works in the NBA. But Demonze, um, we've got to get to it. Uh, the big story. You don't even have to intro it. It's what everyone's talking about this morning, waiting for my reaction, and I can't say we didn't see this coming, but when an offense is as perpetually inept as this offense has been, things happen, and the Steelers have fired Matt Matt Canada, (laughs) and I got to tell you, I mean, I don't know what it means for Kenny Pickett. Maybe it helps him turn around. What do you guys... I hear laughter in the background. This is the breaking news. Do you not follow Schefter? This happened. This is what people are here for. I the, I mean, this is, you know, uh, perennial AFC power. This is a team fighting for the playoffs and divisions that's in such offensive disarray. They are now the second AFC team in the last week to fire their offensive coordinator. First, it's... You know, Ken Dorsey with the Bills. Now it's Matt Canada with the Steelers. I just, I you know, I, I would tune in to Andrew Filipponi on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh for more in-depth coverage of this story. Um, but I would imagine, you know, that would, I would hope what we, I'm going to be talking with Cowherd about. I noticed that's not what happens to be at the top of the rundown. So, Demonze, go ahead. What are we starting with today? I'm sorry. I just, I thought we were a breaking news show. I, I thought I, I apologize. Go ahead. Yeah, so there was the old litmus test last night. Uh, things weren't so lit for you, beloved Chiefs. They uh, <laughs> did miss some drop passes, touchdown passes. Yeah. Apparently, Scantling didn't get the memo and thought this was a practice game. This is a Super Bowl rematch. Mm-hmm. But yep. you went to a, a Eagles bar with your pops to watch no, the Chiefs chi- game. A Chiefs a bar Chiefs... in Philly. Uh, right. So I so I so here's the deal. I'm going to I'm going to kind of speed run my thoughts on the game 
and then spend a lot of time on my evening because I actually think that could be more infor- more important, if you will. Here's I'm in a rough spot when it comes to the g- talking about the game, and I'm not I don't want to I'm not going to do the podcast a disservice, but I have an entire television staff, including co-hosts, all plotting my demise today. We have two of our lead producers, Dusty, who's our number one viewer of this podcast, is a diehard Eagles fan. Cab is a big Eagles fan. Cab, who never texts me, just texts me an eagle emoji shortly after the final whistle last night. Wilds and Brew just regularly just team up against me and Mangini's there today. So the problem that I have is this. If I lay out my full case as to why the Chiefs are just going to be fine, I am giving them four extra hours to prepare to argue with me on television. Meanwhile, they, Wilds and Brew, will both be sitting in their offices with the doors closed, having all the producers working for them. It's like one on 17 on First Things First today. And so I... I I don't want to reveal my full game plan, but here is what I will say, okay? I understand that everyone today is going to have the same opinion. Uh, Catch the football. You're going to watch sports TV all over, both networks, all the shows, and everyone's going to have this f***ing brilliant take Um, when you throw a pass, catch the pass. And if the Chiefs don't catch passes, it's hard to get first downs and score points. And everyone's going to act like they reinvented the wheel on this. They're like, you know, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when the Chiefs had an awesome wide receiver. Whatever happened to him? Uh, maybe they should try to get it. Do you think they get him back? That's what everyone's going to say. And I'm here to tell you, that's not the story of last night. And Dusty, if you tell Brew this is my take, I'll never speak to you again. Because Brew doesn't watch this podcast. So he's not going to know unless you tell him, Dusty. And none of you guys tweet to him either. The story of last night. Yes, the Chiefs would have won if they could have caught the ball. Yes, right now, they have a bad receiver group. That's not really deniable. I don't think it's worse than it was last year that they won the Super Bowl with. But last year, maybe Marquez Valdez-Scantling catches that pass. And while I think Rasheed Rice is better than Juju Smith-Schuster, Mahomes seems to trust Juju more than he trusts Rice. Seems like the guy he trusts the most is Justin Watson, the kid from Penn, who made one really good catch but also had a few critical drops. But none of that is the story. And if people can take a deep breath and take a step back, the story from the chief side of things is while yes a win they should have won the game they were in position to win the game they blew a double digit halftime lead they had bad drops it was ugly all of it but the chiefs played a team that not only has the best record in football not only last year had the uh best record in the nfc maybe all football no i think it's just the the tie with the chiefs best record in football but a team who is known for having the most physical most dominating 
offensive and defensive lines in the NFL. That is their calling card. And the Kansas City Chiefs last night at Arrowhead pushed them around on both sides of the ball. Now, they couldn't finish it off, and the Eagles, I'm taking nothing away from them. That is a team that knows how to win football games, that finds ways to win football games, and Jalen Hurts being able to have as bad of a game as he was having and then still making that pass to Devontae Smith that was the biggest play of the game, that's, that is what allows you to become a great quarterback is when even when you're having a bad game that you can make the critical play credit to him and the and I I get it people are going to say yeah and Devonte caught it and then Mahomes made an even better play and MVS dropped it I understand that but I watched a football game last night where the Kansas City Chiefs could run the ball all over an Eagles team that no one has been able to run on all year. And I watched a Chiefs team last night that could get to Jalen Hurts in a way no one has gotten to him all year. A team that was so dominant through the first three quarters defensively, the Eagles didn't even have an opportunity to do their brotherly shove play because they were never in third and short. And the one time they were in it, they for some reason did like a shotgun handoff like and that got down. blown up. Oh, the, no, sorry. Uh, no, and then later in the game, they finally were able to do it in the fourth quarter. And I'm not taking anything away from Philadelphia. They earned that win. That was That is the type of win that if the th- that when the chiefs have won games like that not really that style but where they are thoroughly outplayed and then steal it at the end that's what makes you feel like this is a special team so i'm i'm throwing i there is I, there's so much confusion in today's media in my opinion on that the NFL is not college football that it is not about style points, that it is not about margin of victory, in, especially when it's two good teams playing or two great teams playing. It's about finding a way to win the football game. And the Eagles, over the last two years, have done that as well as anyone other than the Chiefs, and they just went to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs. So I give them full credit. But I watched that game, and I said, there were giant segments of the game that it felt like the Chiefs dominated them. Not that made a couple big plays, but methodically on both sides of the ball dominated them. And then here's the, I know everyone today, Demonze is going to talk about the drops and they lead the lead in drops. And the first game of the year, they had a fourth and 24 to, you know what I mean? Keep the game alive. Mahomes throws it perfectly and it gets dropped. Last night, they had a 4th and 25 after a previous drop. He somehow throws it perfectly and gets dropped. I understand that. The reason I am not as focused on that as everyone else is, is with all those drops, do you know why the Chiefs lost that game? Because their three most important people all made critical mistakes. Patrick Mahomes 
threw a terrible red zone interception. Terrible. It was a bad play. It was an, He wasn't under pressure. He just had a bad play. I believe Patrick Mahomes is not going to duplicate that mistake. Travis Kelsey, the greatest tight end ever, very similarly to the regular season game last year against the Bengals, fumbled the ball when they were trying to go up two scores and took points off the board. And the last person is Andy Reid. Reid didn't make a singular mistake, but the Chiefs haven't scored in the second half the last three weeks. They are right now the number two first half scoring team in the league and they're the dead last second half scoring team in the league. That's halftime adjustments, right? That is the other team making more adjustments at the half than you are. So that's on Andy. So the reason I feel fine and is if I, I cannot sit here and tell you I know with full confidence that these receivers who've been dropping passes all year are going to stop dropping passes. What I can tell you with full confidence is I don't think they have to stop dropping passes if those three future first ballot Hall of Famers, some of the best to ever do what they do, clean up their stuff. And I guarantee that's how those guys feel. And yeah, that's holding them to an unfair standard, whatever it is. That's when you are the most talented quarterback ever, the greatest tight end ever, and one of the greatest coaches ever. That's the standard. And so that's so that's where I, I land on that. I, I want to talk about my evening as well. Um, but I know, Demonze, your beloved Ravens are now the one seed. I think you have a follow-up question about them in regards to that. They are the one seed. Uh, do you think yep. that with that loss to the Eagles, the Arrowhead Invitational is in jeopardy? Absolutely not. And the reason for that is very simple. The The Ravens and the Chiefs don't play this year. So mm-hmm. in order, so the tiebreaker, if they have the same record, is going to come down to conference record. The Ravens have three conference losses. The Chiefs have one. So if they finish with the same record, it's almost impossible for the Ravens to have a higher seat, to, to be above the Chiefs. And then if you just look at what Kansas City has the rest of the way, it's the Raiders, Packers, Bills. That could be a tough game depending on where we are on the roller coaster. Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, which was supposed to be a tough game, but now features Jake Browning. And then the Chargers, who at that point are, who even knows who's playing for them because they are at four and mate. Now, maybe that's a tough game against the Chargers because they're, you know, they're their playoff birth is on the wild line. Card push? Yeah, but more likely their coach has been fired. And you know what I mean? It's, you know, we're in one, two, three Cancun season. So yeah. I, it is, even if you think the Chiefs have two more losses in them. Which I do not. The question is, are the Ravens, with their schedule of at the Chargers, home for the Rams, at the Jags, at the Niners, home for the Dolphins, home for the Steelers, if the Chiefs lose twice more, the Ravens have to go 5-1 and one down the stretch. If they go and... I, I don't think that's going to... Yeah, likely. go ahead. Likely. Uh, well, for the record, e- even 5-1, and one, I don't think gets the Ravens the one seed. Because I don't think the Chiefs have two losses on that schedule. Even if you say they're going to lose to Buffalo. Losing to the Patriots is an impossibility. The, Wolves, the, the Raiders have beaten them once in six years. Like, 
it's gonna be Raiders are resurging so, though. Knows what's going I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they are. I mean, they did just lose. <laughs> they just scored 14 points and lost to Miami. All right. I actually considered if the Chiefs had won, and this is the I I almost if the Chiefs had won, I was gonna lead with this. And this is what I was saying was maybe the more important thing. But because they lost, it would have seemed cowardly if I did. Um, so last night, my dad who lives in Kansas City and who I grew up going to Chiefs games with, uh, came to New York and then he and I drove to Philadelphia to a Chiefs bar called Big Charlie's, which I'm actually wearing the sweatshirt that they gave me. So it's a Chiefs bar in Philly. And it was, you know, my dad lives in Kansas City, drives, flies to New York so we can drive to Philadelphia for a game against Philadelphia that's taking place in Kansas City to watch it at a Kansas City base bar. That's the TikTok of it, if you will. Um, and it was they were great people. It was an unbelievable environment. I put out some videos, some pictures. It's great. But that's not actually the part that I want to talk about. And the and I don't know how long I'm going to talk about this, and I don't, and I, I kind of know what I want to say, but I don't exactly know how I should say it. But this is our last show before Thanksgiving, and there's going to be a lot of people around family, you know, this, you know, here in the next few days, and, uh, you know, I will have the pleasure of having my Demonze and Dior and Deanna. And me and Danielle all together for the first time in, you know, three months since Dior went off to college. But, so I'm almost 40 years old. And it's a weird thing, I think. And I hope that there are some guys out there listening. I know we have women, female listeners, but I'm going to talk about fathers and sons here for a moment. And it's like a unique spot because I do this show with Demonze. But it's a weird thing for a lot of, I think, guys around my age, especially once we have kids of our own, where your maybe connection point or relationship with your own father, I don't want to say can fray, but you're busy and you're worried about your kids and especially if you live in different cities and it's it's the again I'm going to say maybe some things that are hopefully you know as generations move on people are more evolved or whatever it is um but especially it's two men and it's like he knows I love him I know he loves me and you can maybe like take the not I don't want to say take for granted the relationship but you can allow a lot of things to go undiscussed or unsaid or unasked about and I you know my dad's you know ran a union for 30 some years it's kind of like an old school type of guy is how he's always carried himself and it's not like he was like one of those dads that like never said I love you he 
every phone call I've ever had with him in my life, he ended with I love you. Um, he's not one of those dads like didn't hug or anything. Like he the he wasn't he, he was a very affectionate guy, but since I've been an adult, I don't know that we've had, you know, five real like heart to heart like how are you doing you know i'm sorry for this thing i did 20 years ago that might have hurt your feelings because it's just not the kind of wavelength we've operated at and we also probably haven't spent as much quality time together as either of us would like but it's neither one of us fault. Like he was trying to get me to go with him to this big Charlie's place for two years. And every time like, ah, it's tough Sunday football. I can't like just be watching the chiefs game. I don't want to, you know, ah, you know, and so, so this weekend he came over on Sunday and watched football with me and we sat and watched football and had a great time for seven hours in almost total silence. It's like, oh, good play. Like just sitting there and I really was enjoying it. Like I was really, I really was enjoying it. And then Demonze, your mom came home and she sat with us for five minutes and just started talking and intentionally brought up something that my dad and I probably needed to talk about for, oh, I don't know, 10 years. But neither one of us has. And she basically brought it up, walked out of the room, <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? And then was like, you guys <laughs> should talk. And, like, and, it, and it led to, over the last 36 hours, probably... Four full hours of conversations with my dad that, yeah, some of it was like I apologized for, you know, some things I did that I didn't know hurt his feelings, whatever it was. But a lot of it was like I, on the drive to Philly, just asked him questions about his life before I was born that I didn't know about. and. Like about the early parts of his career, about, you know, the things that these things that I just didn't know about. And it's like when you're a kid, you're too young to ask or your parent wouldn't tell you. And then when you're an adult and you're finally like on eye level, all of a sudden you're focused on your kids. And I... You whole drive to Philly, we talked, and then it, we got to Philly and watched the game, and then after the the you know despite the devastating loss, went back to the hotel, sat outside the hotel and talked, and then went to the hotel and sat and talked for another probably ninety minutes. For it was like two in the morning, and it was you know time to go to bed. And so I'm 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 telling this very vulnerable, you know, 
potentially people are tuning in right now. They're like, oh, Nick's on talking about the Chiefs loss. Hi, and I'm damn near crying. I'm doing it for a reason. Because it is, we are, everyone right now that has family around, alive, hopefully is going to be around some of them over the next five, six days. And it can be very easy to just be like, ah, you know, we'll talk about that another time. Or, ah, he knows I love him. Or, he knows I'm sorry about that. And I didn't know that, I I didn't know so much about my dad's, like, actual, like, history, like how he became who he is, which is, I believe, one of the most important and successful people in the history of Kansas City. What he's done for the union membership there, for the people there, I think it is, I mean, you'll have a street named after him at one point. Um, And his road there, and, like, there's, shit I should have known, like, I didn't, Demonze. When my sister, when your aunt was a baby, for nine months, they all lived in Boston. I guess I knew that, but I didn't know it. It was when my dad was getting uh, his, my dad was getting his master's at Harvard, and my mom had just had Joe, and they lived there. And I'm like, you guys, Joe lived in Boston? And I guess I'm supposed to know these things. It's my family. But I'm so caught up in my own shit or whatever, and I'm like, so then you did what? And then... All these things. And so the long meandering path of this is twofold. One is to maybe, you know, uh, put, well, I guess it's threefold. One is if you were thinking about, you know, reconnecting or connecting on a deeper level with someone you truly love, I, I, I cannot endorse it strongly enough. Because if your mom had walked in, before she walked in that room, she had said to me, I'm going to bring this up. I would have said, no, you are not. I do not want to have these conversations. But I did, evidently. So that's the first reason. The second reason is because this is such a unique dynamic. And I see so the, me and Demonze. And so much of, as young men into men, we are pushing and pulling against like who our fathers are, who they wanted to be, who they, you know, who they, whatever it is. And it really does form a lot of who then we are. And I, I always worry that my, you know, that how, how rarely I have like you know, deep, real conversations with my dad. Like, I was thinking about it. Like, I was like, man, when I'm his age, if that's me and Demonze, I'll be super sad. Which then means he, my dad was probably sad about it, but I was just focused on my own stuff. And so I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I'm not always the best example it. on these interfamilial relationships. And. So, like, it was really an important, important 48 hours of my life these last two days. Like, truly. And I didn't know it would be. I, it was just like, oh, cool, my dad's coming to town, get to see him. 
And so I said, I said threefold. And the third reason is because instead of having to spend 20 minutes talking about that Chiefs loss, I only had to spend 10 and no one can be mad at me about it now. Checkmate everybody. Quick break. Right back. What's right? Warmer, sunnier days are approaching, so fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Factor will help you meet your wellness goals just in time for summer, thanks to a vast menu of chef-crafted, never-frozen meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These fresh meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Variety? They have that. Factor has 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. Working on wellness goals? Factor has you covered with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. How do they taste? They're delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious, and delicious options. What about quality? Each Factor meal is restaurant quality with premium ingredients like filet mignon, blackened salmon, and shrimp. So start spending less time in the kitchen now because you don't have to shop, prep, cook, or clean up. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 and use code nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code nickwright50 at factormeals.com slash nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, welcome back. What's Right with Nick Wright, episode 195. This episode of What's Right is brought to you by the McDonald's app. I love the McDonald's app for McDelivery. I love it because it's perfect for any situation. Pouring rain, don't want to go out and get your delicious McDouble. Boom. McDelivery, your team's playing. You don't want to miss a single second. McDelivery, say it's been a long day. What better way to fix it than getting a delicious quarter pounder with cheese and a large fry delivered right to your door? I personally love to order McDelivery when I'm watching a game or spending time with my family. And now, every time you order McDelivery in the McDonald's app, it earns you points towards free food and who doesn't like free food. So there's always a reason to order in the McDonald's app. Download the McDonald's app today. Participating in McDonald's delivery prices may be higher than at restaurants. Delivery and other fees may apply. Copyright 2023 McDonald's. All right, Demonze, before we get to uh, the other NFL topics, you have a major announcement to make. Go ahead. I hit my teaser this week, um, but wow. it's not wow. really... I, I kind of knew this teaser was going to hit. This was... Oh, Dallas was looking I mean, great from the start. Oh, we're doing this because we might have a gambling show on Thursday. It, it, yeah, Detroit. It took... Oh, go ahead. What Demonte, are you going to say? Don't say, say? And don't say you knew it would hit. It took a historic comeback by Detroit for you to escape historic. by the hair of your chin. <laughs> they, I mean, the, the idea that like, oh, p- throw my feet up. This was never a doubt. It was in major doubt. Now, it hit, and I'm happy, but this wasn't like a smooth sailing teaser where did, you didn't have to worry. At any point in that Bears game, did you think that they were going to beat the Lions? 
Well, when they had a 12-point lead with five minutes left, I thought it was possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, when Jared Goff threw his third interception and they were already down nine, I was a little nervous oh, for you. And I buy that's the, with the small stuff, man. By the way, I had the Lions in a teaser, so I, I was sweating it right there oh, alongside so, you. And, so you're good. Uh, was it a seven and a half yeah. point teaser? No, so I had the Lions just six point teaser down to just a point and a half. So I really needed that two point convert. They they scored a right. touchdown to go up one, and they went for two and they got it. Now they ended up, I guess, not needing it because they got the safety at the end because Fields fumbled. But Fields yeah, I mean, I was sweating things. it out longer than you. But congrats, Demonte. Like it says, undefeated since week eleven. Wait, and we so, will. Well, wait, uh-huh. so, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we don't have a gambling show this week. So what I'll do for you guys is. I'll compile a teaser, and I'll get us some money this Thanksgiving, and I'll post it to my Twitter. You guys can trail me. Okay, so that yes, follow Demonze on Twitter at Demonze Bird B Y R D. Also, I will do my five picks as I always do, and we'll post it to the What's Right account. We'll also post Demonze's teaser to the What's Right account just for record keeping purposes because the we need to have the record stay as it is or not i shouldn't say stay as it is but we need to do it every single week all right demonze let's get let's get to the game or let's get to the other stories all right per usual there's a lot of talk of uh who should get mvp a lot of names make sense but a name that might not make sense to you that makes a lot of sense to others is brock purdy so he threw for a perfect passer rating in his last game and sits the top of he's he's at the fifth um, best odds to win MVP right now. Um, I so we're doing this again. do you think do you think that's a safe bet? Is it rational for Brock Perry to get MVP or is that far fetched? I mean, perfect passer rating is crazy. I just can't believe we're gonna we're literally just going to do. The exact same lunatic conversation we had after the Cowboys game. Again, so here's the thing. Can Brock Purdy be the MVP of the entire league when he is not the MVP of his own team? Of course not. So let's just take that away. What about if, oh, we shouldn't hold it against him if a team has a great defensive player. They don't win MVP. Okay, is Brock Purdy the most valuable player on the Niners? Offense, of course not. That's Christian McCaffrey. Is he the best player? Of course not. That's Trent Williams. Like, let's all stop. Just stop. But here's the thing. People want me, They and this was the conversation on First Things First, like, Nick, time to admit. You were wrong about Purdy. Guys, I, I I used this analogy on the show, and I will use it again. If Demonze, you bought uh, recently a very nice but sensible car. It works in all environments. Let's just, let's say you hit 50 teasers in a row, and you were just rolling in it, and you were like, hey, uh, I'm getting a... Brand new sports car, rear wheel drive, convertible. It's awesome. Gonna have so much fun driving it. Also, as it happens, uh, Fox is transferring me to New York, and I'm gonna move from LA to New York, and I'm gonna drive in my sports car. And I'm like, okay, buddy, that car's a ton of fun, and you're gonna look great in it. And when the sun's shining and the wind's blowing, it might look like the coolest car out there, but I got to tell you, I've read 
that in the rain, that car does terribly, and in the snow, it's almost undrivable. And you're like, nope, don't care, think you're wrong, going to be great. And you drive, and it's going great. And then the first time it rains, you slide off the road. You're like, well, hopefully that's just an oddity. And then it snows, (laughs) and you can't get it out of your driveway. And then it rains and snows at the same time, and you wreck it. And you take it to the shop, get it fixed up. And then it's sun, sunshine again. And you're driving, and you call me, and you're like, hey, ready to admit you were wrong about this car? Look at how awesome it is. No, I won't be. <laughs> and the point is, with Purdy, I had two questions. How will he look when all of the Avengers aren't there? How will he look... If he has to come from behind and God forbid, how would he look in all if that both those things happen together and we saw it rain. We saw not all the Avengers were there against the Browns and then we saw him have to come from behind against the Vikings. Then we saw him have to come from behind and not have all the Avengers there against the Bengals. And how did it look? So it, the. It is not a question of does Brock Purdy stink. Clearly, he does not. It is a question of, to me, it's twofold. One is, you know, he played Baker Mayfield yesterday or Sunday. I made this point before the game. I still believe it. Would the San Francisco 49ers be better, worse, or the same if Baker was the quarterback instead of Purdy? I'm very confident they wouldn't be worse. Maybe they wouldn't be better. I think they'd be a touch better. But they certainly could do, Baker can do everything Purdy's doing. That's the first, that's the, I vehemently believe that. And I think most people do. And then the next question is, if in the postseason, they are in a position, anything similar to either of the circumstances they faced in the three-game losing streak, can Purdy pull them out of it? I don't believe he can. We'll see if he proves me wrong. But the fact that it's a question means two things. One is he can't be the league MVP. And the other is that the other the other part of it is if we want to do the hey, it's a weird year, let's give MVP to a guy with great numbers, but that's also an amazing story. CJ Stroud is sitting right there. I'm sorry, the the Texans have six wins and the Niners have seven. CJ is putting up almost as good of numbers without any All-Pros on his team with a rookie coach on a team everyone thought was going to be terrible. Like, I I don't think CJ's the MVP either. But if we want to do a quarterback who's putting up bonkers numbers in the Shanahan system, that's a great story. Purdy's not even the best option of that. So I just can't do, I, I can't ever, I, I can't keep having, a, a, is is a guy who no one thinks is one of the five best players on his own team going to be the league MVP? And this is the last thing I'll say on it, because Coach Mangini got mad at me, I don't know if it was Coach got mad at me, someone got mad at me yesterday, and they were like, you have to stop discounting him. You can say a lot of my commentary is discounted him. That's fine. But saying a guy should not win the single most prestigious award the NFL has to offer is not a slight. Saying a guy, you know what? 
I don't think this guy is the league MVP is not hating on him. Is not a, <laughs> taking a shot at him. It's simply saying he shouldn't get an award that the last four years, five years has gone to only Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Lamar Jackson. That's what it's saying. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so wait, are we on to the next topic, or did you want me to weigh well, in yeah, on Brock sure. Purdy? No, you can weigh in. About, you can weigh in on. Yeah, you can weigh in on Brock Purdy, and then we can move on. It's all about what he's doing, man. Where's he going to take the team? And if he can, you know, play to Shanahan system and get them to the postseason, that first seed or second seed, then believe that he deserves to be in the talks, even if it's the system that he's playing. Like I believe that you should have a system for a specific quarterback. Like whatever the system is, we're gonna play to your your ability. Um, and, and I it's agree with all of that. I agree with that, but that doesn't mean that anyone should have to should look into a camera and be like, "I think he's more valuable." Like either definition uh, that you want to, if you want MVP to be uh, the value proposition doesn't matter. It's who's the best, or if you're like the values in the name for a reason. If someone want to look into the camera and say Brock Purdy is more valuable than Lamar Jackson. Someone want to look in the camera and say Brock Purdy is better than Lamar Jackson. Does someone want to look into the camera and say Brock Purdy is more valuable or better than Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts or pick any of, I'm not even going to say Mahomes because Mahomes isn't having his standard of season. Nobody thinks it. So if he's not more valuable to his team than those guys and he's not better than those guys, why would he win the award? It's lunacy. And everyone, I, I, what I can't believe is people are trying to credibly have within three weeks of each other the sa- a conver- the same people who were entertaining the idea he could be benched for Sam Darnold two weeks ago are now saying, "Hey, eh, you know what? Actually, maybe he's the MVP of the league." <laughs> give me a give me a break. Give me a break. All right, next. All right, the Cowboys are zero and two against winning uh, teams with a winning record. They have this this thing or this mo to just beat up on the sorry teams. Five of their yep. seven remaining games include Seattle, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Miami, and Detroit. Commanders are probably the only team left on the schedule that they're going to be able to easily bully. Uh, so, with them losing any of these games, there's a chance that they could play their Achilles heel in the Forty ers uh, Is your confidence in Dallas making the Super Bowl weathering away with that? No, so here's the thing. Uh, obviously, Philly's win last night makes Dallas winning the division far more difficult. Uh, now, I think Dallas is going to beat Washington and then beat Seattle and then play Philadelphia on mo- Sunday night football, sitting at 9-3. and three. But even if they were to win that game, they, are, they need Philly to really tailspin in order to win that division. But at the five seed... They're not going to play San Francisco in round one. They're not going to play Detroit in round one. The five seed plays the lowest ranking division winner, which is a lock stop guarantee to be the NFC South winner, like it was last year when Dallas went to Tampa and won. So do I think Dallas can go to Tampa and beat, or I'm sorry, go to Tampa or go to New Orleans or go to Atlanta? Of course. The question then for Dallas is, who do they play in the next round? Because I think Dallas can beat Philly. I think Dallas will beat Philly 
when they play in Dallas in a few weeks. I, be- I mean, Dallas moves the ball well on Philly. The team they have not been able to beat is San Francisco. So mm-hmm. Dallas, probably what they need is someone else to beat San Francisco for them. But Jeez. I'll tell you this much. I I think the Lions' offense, if it's in Detroit, can ap- I think they absolutely could beat San Francisco. I try the the Lions in Detroit with the way that offense hums and the Lions by the way you guys know again this was hurt by the Eagles winning last night they're very alive for the one seed and so here is Dallas's perfect world Dallas's perfect world is the following is that they the, the perfect world that doesn't involve any like any of the Niners or Eagles or any of those teams losing in round one of the playoffs in a huge upset like Minnesota beats them or something. They're a perfect world where they, if they have to be the wild card, is they're the five seed, which they will be, and they beat up on whoever the NFC South team is. And then the one seed is Philadelphia with the two seed being Detroit and the three seed being San Francisco. And they go to Philly, where they damn near won last time, and beat them. And Detroit beat San Francisco, and Dallas then has to be Detroit. Or the flip side to that, Detroit's the one, Philly's the two, uh, and Philly beat San Francisco. I think Dallas is a really good team, but I can't deny the evidence that they, they have a ton of problems just even moving the ball at all on San Francisco. So in order for them to go to the Super Bowl, someone else might have to beat the Niners. But I think I think there are a lot of teams that can beat the Niners, uh, particularly if they're not at full strength. And the Niners, because of the physical brand of football they play, it's very hard for them to get through the whole season full strength. Uh, so that's where I'm at. Do I right now think Dallas is the best team in the conference? No, Philly is. Like, Philly has earned that. Uh, am I going to change my Super Bowl pick? Of course not. But right now, if you were to be like, hey, even money on any team, Philly would be the smart bet. They've lost they've lost once, and they mm-hmm. while they haven't looked amazing, they, they, they know how to win games. Go ahead. All right, uh, we're on to the next one. All the worst teams in the NFL, all, I mean, all the worst teams in the NFL have quarterbacks with the exception of one team, and the Patriots – Earlier this season, there was talks of uh, Belichick leaving. Do you think if the Patriots have a chance to get Caleb Williams, that Bill Belichick will stay? Well, I don't think he's going to have the opportunity. Uh, right. I mean, just flatly. I just don't think Belichick is going to have the opportunity to stay. And I think that they, the Patriots, if they were... Like want to blow it up and like new quarterback, new coach, like whole new pair, right? Yes, and have an offensive mind. If you're going to take a quarterback number one, I think you'd want an offensive mind. The problem with a defensive coach, if you have the potential superstar quarterback, is he's going to perpetually be having to change coordinators. Because if you have a... So this is to like this is one of the down so let's take Josh Allen as a for instance, right? So Josh Allen gets to Buffalo. He hasn't developed they have a defensive coach in McDermott. He hasn't developed quite the way they would want, so he changes coordinators. They bring in Brian Dable. So Allen has to kind of learn a new system, whatever it is. Dable is great. Allen has the best years of his career. 
Well, guess what? Guess what happens to great offensive coordinators? They become head coaches. So now Allen has to get a new offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey, if he last year, people before the Bills fell apart at the very end, people were like, oh, Dorsey could be the next uh, head coach somewhere. Instead, it went the other way. He got fired. Now he's with Joe Brady. The If you have a defensive coach, your quarterback's always going to ha- be having to deal with a new coordinator for either good or bad reasons. Good, because you do so well, he gets a head coaching job. So the, the flip side is, if you have an offensive coach like Reed or Sirianni, yes, your coordinators might change, but the, it's the coach that really is pressing the buttons the for the quarterback. Exactly. And so I just think, I think that is a stumbling block for defensive coaches. And I think if you're the Patriots and you get Caleb Williams, you're going to, Belichick's not going to be the one who gets a chance to develop him. All right. Uh, whatever questions you've got, we're going to skip right in. We'll do your questions quickly in the uh, next segment. And then I got to run to work. Talk to you guys. It's all, well, not talk to you later. Do your questions in a moment. What's right. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Welcome back. What's right with Nick Wright, episode 195. This episode of What's Right is brought to you by the McDonald's app. I love the McDonald's app for McDelivery. I love it because it's perfect for every situation. Pouring rain. Don't want to go out and get your McDouble. McDelivery. Let's say your team's playing. You don't want to miss a single second. McDelivery. Or let's say it's been a long day. What better way to fix it than getting a delicious quarter pounder with cheese and a large fry delivered right to your door? I personally love to order McDelivery when I'm watching a game or spending time with my family. And now, every time you order McDelivery in the McDonald's, app it earns you points towards free food and who doesn't like free food so there's always a reason to order in the mcdonald's app download the mcdonald's app today at participating mcdonald's delivery prices may be higher than a restaurant's delivery and other fees may apply copyright 2023 mcdonald's all right demonte let's go through some of these questions and then i gotta get out of here matthew flowers asked do you think the enemy might prep the wide receiver corpse better th- uh wide receiver cores better than naggy so uh I don't know. Listen, the wide receiver coaching, I know people in Kansas City have had issues with. What I will say is, I wonder if enemy was a big part of second half adjustments because that's an area this year's team has been lagging. And so, like, you got to be fair here. 
You know, I mean, I thought Enemy was a really sharp guy that deserved a head coaching opportunity. And while Sam Howell, you know, gets sacked and turns the ball over a million times a game, he's, I think, second in the league still in passing yards. So he's doing something there. So, yeah, I do think they miss Enemy to a degree. All right, next. Ahmad asked, if Mahomes switched with Purdy, would the 49ers be the best team of all time? Well, yeah, obviously, yes. But the... But you don't have to take it that far. Like this is, and this is my purdy frustration. If the 49ers had Dak Prescott, they would be far and away the best team in the league. Far and away. And if if they had Justin Herbert, they would be far and away the best team in the league. Like that's the point that I, and people can disagree with me. I I don't think they actually disagree. I just think they don't like the conversation. Um. All right, next. Uh, um, uh, Noah Rodriguez said, you said on TV yesterday that Chet is clearly the rookie of the year. How? Yeah. Wimby averages more points, rebounds, assists, and blocks and draws all the, defenses, uh, all the defensive attention. Okay, well, because Chet's been better. Chet's been doing it in high-leverage, high-pressure situations on a good team. He's not getting like the, the, and again, I, the rookie of the year is usually not about winning or losing is the rookies, but for Chet, it is. And here's the thing. Wimby is averaging 18 and a half, nine rebounds, two and a half assists, two and a half blocks. Chet is averaging 17 points, eight rebounds, two and a half assists, two blocks. So it's Wimby is averaging a point and a half more and two and one rebound more. The difference is. Wimby is doing it on 42% from the field, 27% from three. And Chet is doing it on 57% from the field, 46% from three. Listen, you guys know I did not believe in Chet. He's been awesome. I got it fair is fair. It's not that Wimby's been bad, but Chet has clearly been the rookie of the year. It's not... It, and, and my, I have a big bet on Scoot Henderson to win it. That's not going to work out. It's got to be fair. I mean, it's <laughs> obviously Chet. Um, I, I mean, again, the, and it obviously can change. We're 15 games in. I'm not saying that yeah. that's who it is, but up at this benchmark, it's obviously Chet. All right, uh, next one. Producers asked, uh, Nick, cool analogy earlier. How awesome does DeMonze look in his can't-miss Purdy convertible? Um, I think, oh, oh, look at that. Oh, I mean, Demonte would look great. I mean, in a sports car, it kind of fits his vibe. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, got a sporty De- vibe. To me. Look, yeah, the, in a lot of cars. you know, if I hadn't gotten knocked out of the Circus Survivor contest a month ago, and I was still alive for that nine million, maybe I'd have wait. Got him, we we still that. have our Lions uh, top of the uh, AFC, so or NFC. Yeah, that's like, I mean, that that I might get you a model car. Like a like you know what I mean? One we could build together or something. That's not gonna. I don't. I don't know how much you think. I, I thought put we on went that down bet. on that. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, we did, but not not vehicle amounts. I mean, it was, it was the. Maybe I mean, a small I, payment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 enough <laughs> enough for a down payment. But then, but then you're on the hook for the monthly payments. Can't do it. All right. Love you guys. Have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I'll see you guys on my, you know, Coward Show, then my show, then Mina Kime Show, then Coward Show again as everyone tries to torture me about the Chiefs. But I told you that everything's fine. Talk to you guys later. What's right?
Hey, it's Nick Wright. Thank you so much for watching. Please do us a favor. Click subscribe. It helps my ego. And Demonze's got a financial bonus writing on a number of YouTube subscribers. So help him out. And also, click the bell. I don't know what the bell does, but they tell me to tell you to click the bell. And if you're audio listeners, people that have commutes, drives, whatever it is, subscribe to the podcast as well, wherever you get the podcast. Same show, just, you know, just in your ears instead of through your eyes. All that. Check it out. Appreciate y'all.